Welcome back to Silverlight TV. I'm John Papa, Silverlight Evangelist here at Microsoft. And today we've got a guest from Identity Mine, yep. Joby Joy. Yes, thank you. And you're a UX architect, right? Yeah, I'm a UX architect with, uh, with Identity Mine. And what so, exactly do you do there? Um, I work on uh, most of uh, technologies, latest Microsoft technologies like WPF, Silverlight, Microsoft Surface, lately Windows Phone 7. Windows Phone so, 7, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I do more of uh, an architectural level or, you know, um, we have more developers, so I, I do laying out the architecture and then, uh, you know, go deep into the performance or all those kind of concerns as well as work with the user experience team. They are basically the information architect people as well as visual designers, inter interaction designers. So, so you have a the reason I really like your title, mm -hmm. and I know I've seen some of the stuff you've done in the past, we'll mm -hmm. talk a little bit about some of the cool projects mm -hmm. uh, that Joby's been involved with today. Uh, and he's also got some great tips. But <laughs> the thing I really like about your title is UX architect. Usually you don't see those two words together. Usually yeah. a user experience person is doing more just the user experience. Yeah. But as we know, uh, you and I know and many people know, UX doesn't always mean it's easy to architect your application That's for that. True. That's true. So the way your code works sometimes can affect the user experience just as well as the way it looks and feels and, and responds. Totally, yeah. We are all about you know understanding the user, but my, my role is more of a technical role, but you know we are caring about the user. That's and you still have guys who are pure, or people who are purely UX totally. as well that sure. you know put that together, but you're kind of the glue that puts the code yeah. in the... Yeah. I like that. I'm, I'm an architect <laughs> myself. So. We call UX designers, UX um, architect, UX in, information architect, and then UX gotcha. developers. So just you know more on user experience. That's UX it. works good. So today, <laughs> let's tell everybody what we're going to be talking about. Identity Mine has done a lot of good projects in the past. Yeah. Uh, a good friend of mine works for Identity Mine too, uh, Laurent Brignon, oh, yeah. who we've had on the show just recently. Yeah. Uh, so one of the projects you guys worked on, and I know you worked on many, was IMDB yeah, on, IMDb, on Windows Phone 7. IMDB, history here. Beautiful application. Twitter. Twitter. And um, yeah, uh, UHG, there are a lot many applications in that uh, you know, first uh, first few months. In the first, regarding. yeah, the big batch that went out. And yeah. IMDb is uh, constantly referred to as one of the more uh, pretty and more usable and responsive applications. Yeah. Yeah. However, as you and I were just talking, it wasn't always the case during development. There were some issues you had to get around and work totally. through. Totally. Uh, thus, your job was well-founded. Yeah. So in today's episode, we'll talk a little about the design and the mm -hmm. UX for everybody and, and kind of what proceed performance means. True. Uh, then we'll get a little bit into the differences between WPS, Silverlight, and Windows Phone that you had to deal with. Yeah. Some things were easy, some things weren't. Yeah. Uh, and then I think the more interesting part is we'll talk a little bit about some of the framework you guys had to put together for the panorama. Okay. So sure. why don't we kick in with uh, talk about some UX? What okay. happened? Yeah, with uh, with IMDb or you know history here, we know that it is more of a graphic intensive application in in a sense. You know, a lot of data has to be shown. Mm -hmm. So with WP7 as a platform, we know that it's a small you know, small processor or, you know, power is not there as we are comparing with the WPF or Silverlight application. So the approach for that, not like, not just on the technical side, from a user experience side also, we should approach in a light way mm -hmm. to architect it, the information architecture as well as the design have to be really in sync with or have to think more about how, um, how easily we can get into each of the pages, how that information have to be contained in a you know compact manner. Yeah, part so of it is the screen size, part of it's a processor, but yeah. some people don't also realize too is there's different APIs slightly. True. Things that make sense on the phone True. don't make sense on a desktop and vice versa. Yeah. What, like isolated storage is it's important on the desktop, but it's critical True. on the phone. Yeah. Tombstoning 
yeah. don't have that in desktop, but you absolutely have that on the phone. Yeah, there were many challenges in that sense, you know, yes. tombstoning or navigation structure. So, so many things we, we never did need to deal with in a WPF application or much. So you also mentioned it, uh, one of my favorite words, perceived performance with yeah. UX. Yeah. A lot of people talk about, you know, increasing performance and there's, with performance, honestly, there's, it's black and white. There's things you can do to make things faster and things that'll make it slower. True. But, there's perceived performance which can we, make things look like they're going faster. Totally. We, we tell more like, a, you know, we need to achieve a rhythm in the application. Right. So whenever you go from one page to another, you know, if you're just seeing that a regular and smooth transition, mm -hmm. even though if it is taking a little more time, you know, nobody will complain you. That's what we really right. experienced with this one. So our our interaction designers and, and the blend experts, we call it as integrators, you know, mm -hmm. they've done a great job in this one to have that. You can see that, you know, the progress bar is going nicely. And at that time, what I'm doing in the background is, you know, there is a background thread going on and pulling the data right. down. So that has to be in the proper sync and get notified properly to get it back and isolated storage is helping really well in terms of you know offline capability so that when you navigate into a page which you already visited it just you know loads pretty fast right so right using the proper serialization and, true. and, and whatnot with the ISO storage true. and we'll, we'll talk more about ISO storage in another show but one of the things I like too is, is you mentioned like the progress bar let's say you've got a background task that's going to take a second yeah. if you just stop the screen for a second and did nothing the that, users, that's a long second sometimes. True, true. But if you have some kind of a progress bar, some kind of easing from this transition to the other, you know, it helps break that up. Yep. You know, if you've got a 10 second delay, there's not much you can do. Totally. But if, you know, if you've got those brief moments, it makes your application look like it's faster. That's it. Because you are battling uh, bandwidth with networks. We're not always on gigabit yep. bands. This is, this is the first time the challenge on a 3G network we have to make that same user experience pretty good. And IMDB's got some pretty big data coming down. Yeah, exactly. We're just talking one page, you said? Could one panorama much? page, you know, when we are analyzing the memory, uh, it's around 20 MB is getting increased. 20 so megabytes. The, the first wow. smock test, what I did was putting down a panorama and transitioning to different movie right. pages. And on my fourth transition, the app was crashing just because it reached, reached the 90 MB limit. Which is, of course, you know the the system, the platform will just kill that application. It thinks so, you're trying to hog all the memory on the CPU. Exactly. And, yeah. So which which made me to think about, you know, we cannot approach it in that regular way. You you just have a phone application page, and then put putting a panorama or pivot into that. If you're transitioning into that similar things in an inner page, it makes our application grow bigger and bigger. So what makes it so big in your particular application? Is it just the images, or are you downloading movies as well, or is it the no, visual it's tree? No, it's just images. So when okay. the when a regular image, when it is getting rendered into mm -hmm. the UI, just because you know it has to convert into the bitmap, right? So that makes right. maybe a 5K image, JPEG image, makes even bigger size. Right. So it's not but necessarily what's coming down the wire. It no. might be how it's being rendered and used exactly. in memory. Yeah. So that's a good important differentiation. Totally. Yeah. And uh, so our idea around that was, you know, in a nutshell, to keep that entire visual creation happened mm -hmm. cached instead of. You know, letting that to go away into the page page stack, you know, the back navigation stack, so that the the IMDb kind of an application, the user paradigm is more like you know you can navigate into n different 
right. movies or actor. You can click on a movie, you can click on an actor, then a related movie. That can go on and on. Right, you so, could do, I mean, even like in a Twitter application, which we often find, that's you can click on Joby's tweet, yep. he's got a link to mine, you can click yep. on my tweet, and you can yep. keep going back and forth, and you yep. can end up with a back stack that's 20 pages deep. Exactly, so which a system like this cannot handle, which is not a problem with the phone, which is a reality, you know, any mobile platform cannot handle if you're no. trying to recreate the instances again and, and again. And what do you think the user experience needs to be, and how does it need to work? Because realistically, you wouldn't want a 20 meg of photos 20 times in your system. No, no. So that kind of leads us into the, the more interesting architectural discussion we were, sure. we were getting so, into. Yeah, maybe a simple, um, you know, and, and point. Those, I'm sorry, for those who don't know the IMDB app, definitely go check it out. Yeah, I sure. assume there's a trial, mm -hmm. uh, a free version, right? Yeah, it's free. It's free. It's so the application's free. When you check it out, there's a panorama on it. Everything's designed with panorama. Yeah, the inner page. So the guideline usually states that, you know, the panorama is better at the home page. Maybe one of the reasons for that is just because, you know, if you're using it by default, this is the behavior. So if you're using it in an inner page, which right. makes your application blow with the memory. And IMDb is all about, uh, sorry, uh, not IMDb, but Panorama is all about discovery. discovery. And you know, I'm curious, what's over here, what's over there? And with right. IMDb, it's about who's the actor, what's the movie, what else have they been in? Yeah. Oh, you know, what TV shows was that? And yeah. you really, I, when I go to IMDb's website, it's, I end up exploring oh, you know, how great, you are. They have a great website. So Panel is perfect for this. True. But you ran into some problems with this, so let's talk about how your architecture totally. stuff. What was the problem first? Uh, as we mentioned earlier, the memory, the memory as well as which, which again affects the performance really bad if that kind of memory getting crawled. So let me set the stage. Let me say I'm looking at one of my favorite movies out there. Um, okay. Maybe it's something like Lord of the Rings. Yep. I'm looking at a Lord of the Rings movie on IMDb. I've got 20 meg of in memory yep. with everything. Yep. And then I flip over to An one of actor. the actors. Yep. That know, again, Lord Vigo Mortensen comes up. Boom. Yeah. I go look into his roles and credits. Now I want to go look at Lord of the Rings again. Yeah. Um, that's not the case actually because that that won't load up the memory because you you've gone back. But right. We're using a back stack then, so there's no. Yeah. yeah. But if you're going again to another movie, like you know, the like new Hobbit are, movie or something, you are increasing the pages. Mm -hmm. Like. You know, that makes each of the page hold that 20. So 20 plus 20 plus 20. That so now I get 20 for the movie, the first movie, 20 for Vigo, yep. 20 for the other movie I'm looking at. Exactly. But what's, and, and the solution you guys came up with is what was the same about those three things? Exactly. So that's what we need to find out. So the same thing about that is you already have that complex visually is already created. The panel structure. Structure is already created, which have a big cost. And so keeping that out of the page, mm -hmm. that is actually the idea. So the page is pretty much a frame. So when it is going into the back stack, and it's pretty much a dumb frame. Dumb the way we're looking at it, exactly. It's not because when you and I mentioned this, it was actually a little shocking to me. It's it's not even just the panel. You're, not, you're actually anything, not, there's anything. nothing in it. If there is a huge list box and you are going to bind that into another data right. later, I can use the same, you know technique there too. And can you show real quick what that page looks like? Just, you know, um, I have, this is the only phone application page in my application, I would say, because... One phone application page. One phone application <laughs> page, but uh, don't misunderstand this in terms of like, you know, I'm using only one application page instance. It is not like that. It is just one class, but one class. it gets instantiated as many times you navigate into the page. Right. So, so in, in that page I have only one important class which is you know there is my own implementation here which is a content frame I would say this is yes. pretty easily easy like a content, uh, it's content a generic control, container. Content yeah. control in WPF we can say but content frame for me it is just a grid 
It's it's a layout panel. And that's your own. You got your own namespace there. The concept exactly. frame is yours. It's basically just a grid that you've just customized. Just a grid, that's what. So you can, the, the uh, importance of a panel or the advantage of a panel is like you can have a visual already mm -hmm. created and then just add it into that panel. And then at the time when this is going into the back stack, which means navigated from, right, or at that moment you can just take that content frame, the content out of that content frame out, which made the the dump frame or the dump page goes back into the which releases the memory for exactly. you to do what you need. So yep. basically, this content frame is not going to contain the. It's going to contain the panel at runtime when the page is displayed. Exactly. But once the page is being navigated away from, navigated True. from, you're taking the panel out of the content frame. True. The page still exists. Exactly. But has no one sees it. There's nothing in it. That's true. You cache that information. Yep. So that way, you're saving on that big 20 meg. Really, and the code behind also you can see cool. for this page, where. We have some generic concepts like, you know, uh, it is always associated with some ID so that, yep. you know. This so when you're navigating to, this is where you're going to load up. Exactly. So I'll get an ID because when I'm going back into a page or even if it is a tombstoning scenario, mm -hmm. I'm getting that ID back. From that ID, I, I can recreate where my view model is and where my real content has to be get okay. loaded. So I got an architecture around it, which is, you know, a lot of reusable things and a lot of problems it got solved easily and i have kind of a session thing where there is which a, is your your cache yeah basically. my cache yeah. where i have you know more information than id most of the time we may need more than an id to be you know identify a single page so all those sort of you know regular implementation right there so and then your sr.load is that where you load up the content is almost exactly. SR, yeah. So yes. SR okay. dot load is my uh, public function from here, but internally that function is doing something great in a sense. It is having the background thread spawning for um, data download. Because you're not just getting the stale data for the movie. Exactly. You're getting refresh data. True. And you can see in this um, uh, SAML file back, you can see here there is <coughs> navigated to forward or navigating away. So all those four different visual states, mm -hmm. that actually made the application to see the the things coming up that what we call page transition animations, right. which is again, it's only in this one single file. Usually, when a regular developer first time, you know, coming into the WPF, I can see this same level, same code in 20 different page if he right. has 20 different page. But because you have one page, this simplifies the transition. Simplifies the thing. So that's that's my major, you know, giveaway here. You know, this kind of an architecture helps clean the code. Think of this as a shell. Exactly. Uh, you know, the shell application which you've used in Prism or in WPF. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah, this is really the container because one of the problems we have in navigation, at least me as an architect as well, is if you do have 20 pages, True. how do you do transition from page to page unless there's something that controls that? Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Yeah. So this is really the controller which you can, you have that that tuning can happen right one place. And even one more thing, you can see here the loading thing, where that progress bar loading, everything is just contained in this one exactly. single SAML file. So which means all of my other view model or the business specific um, SAML files mm -hmm. are pretty clean in their own way. You know, that doesn't have any platform complexities in it. Right. That's what I wanted to abstract and which made us porting really easy. If you want this application to you know, yep. port it into uh, different See, I can, I can. You've got WP7, WPF, Silverlight. Yeah, the, this is not IMDb app or anything. You know, it's, it's just you know our That's own your structure to, to do this. Structure to do this. So, which made us to you know reuse 
the same view models or same SAML files across all these other using MVVM. I like totally. it. Totally. This is really MVVM what we are talking about. Real world about. applications <laughs> using MVVM. Yep. You heard it here. Yep. Well, hey, Joby, this, this is a, a great application. I'm glad you came on to show this to us. Yep. Uh, if those of you who haven't seen IMDb, definitely check it out. And, uh, folks from Identity Mind, and now this makes two people from Identity Mind we've had on the show. Okay. Which is yeah. always good. Yeah. We'll have to have a return visit, talk to some of your other guys. Sure. You guys done some, you did the Twitter app as well, parts of it, right? Uh, my colleague did it, yeah. Yes, yeah. You, you weren't specifically on it, though. Yeah. I got you. Great. But thank hey, you. thanks for coming on, and thank you. It was appreciate a pleasure. It. Thank you so much. Thank you all for watching Silverlight TV.